I think that's the important thing for anything we do with an entertainment, is that each day when we go into the theater, we're having fun, and that's all I can ask for. We're all weird in our own ways, and I think that's what I thrive off of, of being in this industry. You never know who you're gonna meet. I know we all say that, but it is true. Hello, and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by ClearCom, the leader in voice communications, theatre, and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of ClearCom Intercom Solutions. The Theatre Art Life podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. Today we're talking with my friend and colleague Dylan Evans. Dylan is a stage manager from Southern California and now resides in Las Vegas. Currently, he's a show caller at Awakening, a 120 million USD spectacle at the Wynn in Las Vegas. Before creating Awakening in 2022, Dylan lived outside of the USA for six years of his career. Most recently, he was a senior stage manager in operations for Expo 2020 Dubai, working on thousands of shows with performers, artists, and musicians from around the globe. Prior, he was a show caller for the House of Dancing Water in Macau and a stage manager with the mainland China tour of Cavalia. Additional work includes Cirque du Soleil, Five Currents, Thinkwell Group, MTV Television Networks, Walking with Dinosaurs, and the Old Globe Theatre. Dylan received his bachelor's in stage management from the California Institute of the Arts. Dylan, welcome to the show. Hi, Anna. Good to be with you. I'm happy to be here. So glad to finally have you on our podcast because uh, we we always love a, a, a stage manager that's been around the world and back again. So I want to start yeah. with first, what was it like to uh, return to the USA after being abroad for six years? Boy, coming back here was actually really tough. I mean, it was harder than um, I wanted to wanted it to be. You know, moving abroad, I, I ended up loving it a lot more than I thought I was going to. And getting to live in Hong Kong and Macau and becoming friends with you and many other people I met along the way, um, and just kind of having that come to an abrupt end um, with COVID. Um, one important thing, though, that's been really cool about moving back to the U.S. is that being here in Las Vegas, I'm with a lot of people who were in the same situation as me. Um, so there was actually a, a show caller from House of Dancing Water, Robert Mills, who he left House before I was there, as I had just started there. And then we worked together at Expo randomly. And then he's here with Matt Apple by Cirque du Soleil. And we're roommates here. So we were roommates in three different countries. And now we're back here, which has been nice to have someone to kind of you know, bounce off uh, my adjustments uh, into the States. And having a lot of performers from Macau and, and Dubai now being here in, in Nevada has been a, a, a really good surprise. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess the the international work of sort of the arena that you've been working with is a very small universe, right? And a lot of them have ended up in Vegas throughout the COVID period. Yeah, which has made yeah. it fun for me. I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Amazing. So let's start with where you are now. You're at Awakening. And for those, it's relatively a new show. So for those who don't know about this show in Las Vegas, can you tell us a little bit of details about that? Yeah. So Awakening is a brand new uh, production opened by the Win Las Vegas, which is a large uh, casino um, on the main Las Vegas Strip. And they're well known for having a variety of shows and, and entertainment um, at the property since they opened years ago. And uh, during COVID, they decided to put $120 million into a brand new show and pulling together some incredible creative minds to really kind of push the limits of, of creative technology and artistry and see what they could do with that. 
our main producers, we had Bernie Eumann, uh, Michael Curry, and Baz Halpin. Um, Baz Halpin's a, a pretty well-known director for a lot of the large artists around Taylor Swift. The, you know, he's done a, a lot of other big shows uh, for celebrities like Katy Perry's residency and stuff. And those three people came together to make this new show that is quite different than what we have already here in Vegas. You know, Vegas shows are, are have, have been really well-known for a lot of circus um, and and you know athlete type of performances while with us it's it's primarily dance and we pulled in some incredible dancers that come with different backgrounds uh, that you wouldn't usually see we have bone breakers and crumpers and voguers and and a lot of hip-hop performers that are showing their their style of dance that um, isn't usually put into a spectacle type show and the show opened in november and we started creation last april and uh, it's doing really well. We're having a great time. It's kept me busy and the cast is, is sure having fun. And I think that's the important thing for anything we do with an entertainment is that each day when we go into the theater, we're having fun and that's all I can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. And what was the creation like with that kind of group of people as opposed to a bunch of circus acrobats? That's a great <laughs> question, actually. Um, my boss, Jennifer Cook, when, when I was starting, she was like, hey, you know, you know you're going to be working with people that may not have been on a stage before or performers that may not even know what a stage manager is. And I remember the first couple of weeks we were offsite um, for the first few months of creation in April, 2022, when we started at a warehouse. And I remember just one day during lunch, I was sitting down with some performers and I was asking them about their, you know, their history. And a lot of them had amazing music videos they were part of and Super Bowl halftime shows and, you know, working for Beyonce at Coachella I was like, oh, like, have you ever done a big show like this? And they hadn't. And, and kind of getting to, to realize they, they didn't know what a stage manager was and kind of getting to explain what I did as well. It wasn't just me learning about what they've done, but they also found interest in what we do and how my job impacts them and can help them on a daily basis. Amazing. And so what was their onboarding like when they hit the theatre? That must have been an experience for them because usually you jump on a stage in Beyonce and it's very quick, right? And here's a... Yeah, this is a long process. I mean, we were in creation from April through November uh, 2020. You know, that's a long time. Um, six days a week, everybody put in a lot of hours and effort into the to the show. But for them to adjust into going in, it was also an adjustment for us. Because imagine going from a warehouse where you're working on, you know, a concrete floor with some marley to a $120 million moving stage. You know, I've worked with automation, but I hadn't worked on that stage, right? I'm having to learn what's safe for me to be standing in certain areas and, and the layout of the building and figuring all that out in conjunction with the performers was an interesting, interesting challenge for us. Yeah, I mean, having seen the show, the, the list system is quite uh, incredibly complex there in terms of its rotation and it's in a, like a pie, plus it moves up and down and there's yeah. multiple configurations. I can imagine all the safe edges that sit in that <laughs> list. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of safe edges, that's for sure. Um, yeah, the automation system is pretty cool to work with. We have an awesome automation team. Um, one thing I applaud each member of that team for is they are always open for questions um, I'm sure you've worked with people before that you know may not you know, have the time to answer you or may not be interested in kind of guiding you or, or helping you learn more. But this entire team, pretty much the, the whole show, but automation specifically, the, the operators will sit down with me and explain how cues are moving, explain you know 
why certain things can or cannot be done. And that's been really critical for my role as a show caller to understand, you know, we haven't had a lot of issues yet moving forward. It's all new. And so as things happen, we're having to figure out in real time in front of an audience and how to solve it. And just having that support from the automation team has been great. Yeah, I think that's one of the most challenging um, aspects of being a show caller for a show that is new is there's no roadmap for what will go wrong and you don't know what it is yet. And especially it's it's kind of funny because in, in, in a theatrical sense, for those who do stage management in theatre, a show stop is very abnormal where in this sort of world it, it's very quite regular and normal. And, uh, and as you work out the tweaks in the system and then how to overcome them. So have you been the person on the show call that's had to deal with a lot of that as it arises? The team actually jokes that I'm, I'm not having a lot of issues during my show, so they're kind of just waiting to see when all that, all that comes up. We were actually <laughs> doing that last night. But uh, how it worked for creation, um, we have uh, six stage managers on our team. We have one on-call stage manager, and we, have, we had one PSM who was just there for creation. Uh, she came in during the creation phase and oversaw all of us it was pretty much in the, um, once we moved in, into the theater space, she was in the house all the time to kind of manage the, the rehearsal and the cues and actually calling things from, from that perspective. While all of us were running backstage and managing the performers and the schedule and the lineup and all that. But once she left, once opening night came, our PSM had left and we had our GSM, uh, Jennifer, and another stage manager named Aaron. Both of them in conjunction learned the show call you know, once opening night came. And the two of them were kind of just bouncing back and forth between the two of them. As issues would arise, they'd kind of figure out in real time what had to be done to, to solve it, whether it be pre-show or during show. And then I recently learned the call right before Christmas time from both of them, and now I'm the third caller. So we're kind of all just, as things change, and that's one thing, you know, I was at House of Dancing Water where you were for years, and you created it, but I was there at the end of it, um, you know, the end of my time there. And I kind of had the benefit of you guys having already gone through all those challenges you'd gone through with figuring out what to do during a certain element of a show stop. Now with me, you know, Jen and Aaron are, are when things happen with them during their show, they'll give me suggestions on, hey, if this happens, you might want to consider this or this might be helpful. And I'm doing the same thing with them now. So we're working really tightly. And also the stage managers who aren't calling yet, we all we are all trained callers. So all of them are coming up with great ideas in the office of, of how we can maneuver or navigate issues as they arise. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So reverse back to uh, before this, you, you did get some work during the pandemic, which is kind of an unusual thing for a lot of stage managers. You ended up I at did. Expo. So what did. What, what did you do there? Well, first of all, my other COVID job was actually teaching English in, in Hong Kong. So I made a fun little career out of that for a few months um, and then ended up getting uh, a great uh, gig over at Expo 2020 Dubai. And I absolutely love that, that uh, entire project. It was my first time doing a kind of a short-term contract on something. It was about a seven-month contract from September 2021 until March of 2022. And I was on a team of senior stage managers for a company called David Atkins Entertainment. They're from Australia. And we manage the daily entertainment for the entire park of Expo. And for those of you who don't, who don't know what Expo is, I know we've had a few other podcasts that have discussed it. But Expo is pretty much like... Imagine Disneyland on steroids, just with a bunch of, uh, you know, countries getting to showcase all of their, their amazing achievements and things they have going in the future. 
we had all the entertainment going on around that. So whether it be a marching band or, you know, a group of dancers at night or a stage that had a country's individual performance that was visiting from, you know, somewhere in Africa or Asia, we managed all of that. And I was actually in the control section. There were two stage managers uh, in the control offices, uh, me and uh, Riza Tate. Both of us would manage all of our shows as they went out each day. Um, David Atkins, I think we produced, I could be wrong with this number, it was about 25,000 shows, I think, over the six-month process. And we were keeping track of everything from um, audience counts to start times, stop times, weather issues, uh, delays from, you know, presidents who were driving through the site. And I was managing all of that along with the team of control. And that was a great learning experience for me to kind of get my hands uh, dipped into something else than just show calling. I was show calling an entire site of an event instead of just one particular show. That sounds like a lot of fun, but also chaotic. It was chaotic. I loved it, though. I'd do it in a heartbeat again. <laughs> That's amazing. I think there's so many stage managers that went over there and helped out with that event, and, and yeah. all of them talked about talk about how amazing experience is and unique right like i think that yeah. that's they said most people hang out in the theaters and the the event spaces but to go into that kind of show on steroids as a collective must have been an amazing amazing energy it was i mean it was it was awesome just the the scale of it all and i i missed it a lot i mean I, i'm glad i kind of was able to see as much as i did of it while i was there and and took advantage of, of being in Dubai, got to see the, the city and, and meet the people and absolutely loved it. Is there a highlight of your time there that you would speak about in terms of show, event, somebody you met? As much as I like every project I do, I think looking back on every project, whether it be House of Dancing Water or Expo, it's always the people for me. I just, there's always, you know, it's always the teams of people. People in entertainment are Specific, and we all have our own quirks, and we're all weird in our own ways. And I think that's what I thrive off of, of being in this industry. And I'd say my friends that I met there on that project were what made it worth it. And now a note from our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Clearcom. Clearcom is the leader in voice communications for theatre and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of Clearcom Intercom Solutions. You can find them at C-L-E-A-R com. Go check them out. And so you've done, um, you went through a mainland tour of China and you went to Macau and you've been in Dubai. Like, what, what did you learn after leaving the US about working internationally? Hmm. I've grown a lot over the past, you know, six years and I, I'm 29 now, almost 30 next week. And I just, being abroad opened me, opened my eyes to so much more than just career opportunities, but it allowed me to see different cultures and history and different ways of doing things and, and not just conforming to ways that, you know, entertainment might be run in the U.S. or personalities might be in the U.S. You learn to kind of be just open, you know, and you're, you, you're my flexibility, just wanting to, to understand people and giving people the time of day and, and, and not rushing anything has been a real lesson learned there. And I also realized, too, that those places also aren't going anywhere. Just because you aren't working abroad doesn't mean you can't go visit either and still have a similar experience of getting to be immersed in culture and, and those things as well. Mm, interesting. And for those people who, like, what was your trajectory to leave the U.S.? How did you, how did you get work abroad? What was your, 
roadmap for that. <laughs> I, don't, do you, I don't even know if you know this story, Anna. This is funny. I don't know so, the story. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> so actually years ago, uh, Cavalia, which was a show that was uh, founded by one of the Cirque du Soleil founders. It was pretty much a Cirque show with a bunch of horses in it. They were all around the U.S. And I remember that the show was coming to San Diego, where I was born and, and went to high school. And when it was visiting San Diego, I was, you know, 15. And I remember I went on to LinkedIn and somehow found the marketing manager for Cavalia on LinkedIn and wrote him and said, hey, I'm doing a report for school. I'd love to talk to your stage manager at the show. Can I meet with him? He's like, heck no, you're not going to just talk to our stage manager at 15. But he accepted my request. And over the years, he saw me kind of getting experience in stage management. And then one day, I got a phone call randomly out of the blue from a Montreal number. And I thought it was maybe Cirque because I had done an internship with them uh, before that. And it was the artistic director from Cavalia saying, hey, you know, my, your resume was handed to us uh, from our media director who has you on LinkedIn and you have the experience that we need for someone to go on tour. Are you able to do it? And then two weeks later, I had, I had sold my apartment and my car and moved to China and got a visa like that. So that was just a, one of those random experiences of you never know who you're going to meet. I know we all say that, but it is true that these these small connections you make, I never, I've never even met the individual who passed on my resume. I've never met them in person. So it's just one of those things. You Even LinkedIn can have a powerful impact on your career. And inadvertently launched your international yeah. career. That is insane. That's an insane yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I think that... I think that's a great lesson for, you know, putting yourself out there, right? And I think I always have a lot of admiration that people, and, and generally it's not, maybe it's a generational thing too, I don't know, but like um, it's so so important to, even for backstage people to be able to sell themselves and market themselves to a certain extent to get work, I think. Do you agree? I totally. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are or how you're growing, you know, just showing you have the initiative and interest in wanting to to grow and expand. One cool thing I also did in high school, I, I, don't, I haven't told you this either, I wrote out to uh, Luke Lafortune. He was the lighting designer for House of Dancing Water. I sent him an email in high school and just was like, I really want to do this. And he wrote me a long email back. Fast forward a few years later, I was show calling at house one night and he sat behind me uh, to watch the show. And I told him who I was and he actually remembered the email. But it's you never know who you're going to reach out to uh, no matter what age. Um, even if you just express your interest and wanting to grow, I think that can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I totally concur. And I think the other thing, you know, if we're talking along that track is making yourself accessible and contactable and reachable when, when people do reach out, you know, like there's a lot of times that I'll get CVs who people have applied for an international job and they've got their um, local number on it without an international calling code. Like I know it sounds a simple thing, but the, the, the little things make me do more work to get to you, right? And so no, knowing what the people who are you're applying to are looking for and need automatically show, shows an understanding that you know what you're applying for. I think it's huge. So, yeah, it's one of my bugbears. <laughs> People do that. <laughs> Make it easy for me. Yeah, I know. Um, I get that. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So um, of all the projects that you've done, like, you know, is there a standout for you? Is there something that you want to do next? Like tell us about where you are, where you feel like you are in your career right now. It's interesting. I feel like I've kind of hit, you know, my, my goal was wanting to work 
in Vegas on these big shows. And somehow without seeing it as a possibility, I ended up going abroad and then kind of realized that was something else that I wanted to do. So I feel like I, I'm not limiting myself to my dreams, I guess, if that makes sense, because I've seen how when opportunities fall in my lap, those can then become my dream, if that makes sense. I definitely like being at Expo, getting to kind of be not in charge, like I want to be a manager, but I just having a greater scope of a project rather than just one individual show itself. That's something I can see myself doing in the future and kind of branching out into just maybe general management of, you know, entertainment company or, or, you know, a venue or something like that. Um, But for now, I think just being content with and happy, just, I'm so happy to be in Vegas right now and to be working on a show and, and getting to do creation. That was something I never thought I'd be able to do. And people keep saying, you know, these big shows like in Vegas, Vegas is only going to be getting, you know, celebrities now to perform their shows, to have the opportunity to actually do a big spectacle that they say aren't coming back, you know, to have my hands in that has been a really cool opportunity. And you learn so much from getting to see creative minds come together like that, because what I saw during creation to what we have on stage now is a completely different product. And it just shows the evolution of how things can change uh, so drastically and kind of what you can do when you bring people together and you all have a common goal of a successful show. You just keep moving until you find the right, uh, the right elements that people want to see. Yeah. I really like what you said there in terms of like not closing yourself to opportunities. I think that sometimes when you plan a particular linear trajectory, especially in this industry, you're going to be sorely disappointed, first of all. And also the second thing is that if, you, if, you, if you're on one track and you, you don't take those opportunities that come around, you, you lose huge learning experiences like you for getting overseas and around, right, that, that make you an all-rounded all-rounded stage manager do you feel like you know you know i i felt that when i find i don't wouldn't feel like i was a fully a stage manager until i was in my 30s do you feel like it's a long earned craft uh, being a great stage manager oh that's a tough question i would say it is because i've seen how you know uh, our psm phyllis and our gsm jennifer i still look up to them and, and want to learn from them and the ways that they handle things are not the way that I would have done it, but I like the way they did it more, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm still allowing myself to go, oh, you know, that's a great way of thinking about that, or that's a great way to handle this, this problem instead of just, you know, doesn't mean I'm wrong, you know, but it allows me to kind of still, still grow and, and mature in the way that I might handle things. But I'm, I'm so proud of what, you know, I've, I've accomplished, you know, and, and, you know, from high school theater up to, to now being in Las Vegas, that's, that's pretty cool for me to look back. Like high school me would be, you know, mind blown and really proud of what he's done. And, and that goes to say too, quick shout out to my high school. I mean, even being able to do performing arts in high school um, and starting young, if that's what you want to do, you know, you kind of hear people around you saying, ah, oh, you know, there's no career in that, you know, I, I was hearing that you're not going to make money doing this. And somehow I've, I've managed to make my way as a stage manager and, and making a career off of it, which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it's true. But, I, you know, knowing you as a friend and, as well, like I think that what is really amazing about you and I think the reason that you've had those successes thus far is that you are naturally inquisitive and naturally enthusiastic and open to being adaptable. And I think those three traits are huge foundations for being able to throw yourself in a China tour or into Macau or into Expo and, and adapt 
So I, I just wanted to mention that because I think it is one of the foundations of you being able to get through all of those things that you have done thus far. And I mean, it's amazing to see how much you've already done, been around the world and all that. Tell me a little bit about, because you've done some work for Thinkwell Group. What, what was that? Um, that was a pretty short stint for me. Um, I worked with Thinkwell uh, back in LA. Um, they had some good connections with my college. CalArts, for those of you don't know, who don't know, it was founded by Walt Disney uh, back in the 60s. And there's a lot of themed entertainment connections with Thinkwell Group and with Disney that have, I mean, and Universal kind of all filter out of our school. Um, a lot of our professors, you know, came from those companies or worked there. And that was an interesting thing. So two jobs I did, in, you know, right after college or, or during college, I was MTV and Thinkwell. And both of those things with Thinkwell, it was a very uh, desk-oriented job, nine to five at the desk all the time in meetings. And I realized from that, you know, I loved, I loved the team. I had a great time there. Um, but being at a desk all the time, I learned wasn't for me. And that goes also for, for MTV, you know, getting to, to be at MTV and, and intern with them in the production management department for all of their series. I got to learn a lot of stuff and a lot of useful skills from budgeting to, you know, to simple catering and how these things work and, and getting to, to expand my mindset. But through doing those, both of those shorter stint, you know, jobs, I also learned that it wasn't something I wanted to keep pursuing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that kind of finding these, these small jobs that, that you're like, Hey, you know, I don't know how this is going to go, but give it a shot. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with trying something different because you never know it might be something that you actually love doing. Kind of like me with, me with Expo, right? I did this Expo job where I wasn't show calling. I was sitting at a desk most of the time, but I got to manage shows from a greater standpoint that was actually happening with a live audience at the time. And, you know, from that, that kind of made my brain go, hey, you know, I actually enjoyed the way that felt. I enjoyed the the responsibilities and the uh, and you know, the excitedness that came with that role and now trying to find, you know, maybe in the future something that aligns more with that. You mentioned that the that Thinkwell had connections with CalArts. Is did does does that institution help you find placement and, and, and how much do you credit the school being able to give you some foundations to get started? I'd say, I mean, all of my internships that I got were all supported by the school. So that was MTV uh, Walking with Dinosaurs, uh, Cirque du Soleil, were all because of, one, me applying to them. They weren't just handed to me. But the school also supported them for credit. Um, I feel like when you're in a program, you know, some people go, you don't need to go to school for stage management. You can just do it without that. But one benefit for me is it opened up a lot of these corporate internship opportunities that you only have, for the most part, if you're actually enrolled in school at the time. So that helped me out. As, for, as far as career placement, some of my professors have become mentors and, and longtime friends that I talk to you know, every week still. And they've helped me navigate just questions I've had as I you know, find new jobs or, or you know, future work opportunities or, or contract questions, right? Um, and I think that you know, keeping those contacts you have from early on, they kind of get to see you grow and they only want to see what's best for you. So the school, great support, but the mentors that I got out of that individually from my professors and students around me has been even more beneficial. Oh, that's amazing. No, I always, I always think of it because there's so many great stage managers that haven't gone through an institution and so many people that have. There's like the rule book is not for this career. It's Definitely. quite variable, right? Correct. Like it, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the only, the only, the big benefit, I mean, it's expensive, 
you know, that's, that's the big downside for me. You got to pay it off at some point. (laughs) But the people that I met and the, and the connections and, and like I said, a lot of these, if you want to kind of stick with more of the corporate side of stuff, you know, more, you know, big entertainment TV, the, the big companies, a lot of them for their internships, for the most part, require you to be enrolled in college at the time of your application. Awesome. Well, we always finish the podcast with two of these questions and you probably know them, but and I think you've already answered the first one, but I'm going to ask you again. What do you like most about your job and the industry? I'm going to go back to the people. I mean, even this week, I'm going to say some of the performers, just, you know, just the jokes I have backstage. And there's, there are days, multiple days a week that I'm crying laughing. I think getting to have laughter at any job is, is by far uh, a very uh, good quality that anybody should look for. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, even when things are difficult and you've got a tough project, if you've got a good team around you that you can make jokes a bit with, it, it keeps everything light, doesn't it? Exactly. No, for sure. Yeah, I definitely have that over here in Saudi Arabia right now. And if you could change one thing about your job and the industry, what would it be? One thing that, that sticks out to me lately the past few years is a lot of my friends are getting married and all their weddings are on Saturdays and I'm always working on Saturdays. So I would just say a little bit more uh, flexibility from, from jobs to understand that, you know, getting to go see your friends get married or whatever comes your way is important. And the win, the win really has been supportive of that. I had to go home last weekend really quick and, you know, they're, they're fully supportive of things like that, which is great. And I want to see more of that in the industry where people don't feel like, hey, if I'm not here, the show's not going to go on. That shouldn't be the case, right? You should always have something else that can, can keep, uh, keep the show running without you there for a night. Yeah, I mean, which is a, a luxury to be had for long run, longer running yeah. shows than something totally. that's a shorter I, I, project, completely, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, one of the sacrifices. But it is something that if you can incorporate it into the industry, it's it'd be a, a sweet relief for a lot of people, I think. And there was a lot of talk during the pandemic about that, having because people got to stay at home a little bit more, right? And they were yep. like, we want it to be more work-life balance because I'm actually enjoying this home balance. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I know it. what this is like now, you know. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to, that I guess what's like a yin and a yang of, you know, you, you love the career so much, you're willing to, you know, work all the time for it. But at the same time, you do need some time for yourself, you know. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that you have that balance in Vegas? I do. Um, you know, especially with my my deep friends. You know, my real good friends are still here in the U.S. And that's been so nice to be close to home and getting to see my parents. I'm, I mean, I, I, my flights are thirty dollars to go from here to San Diego. So my parents are loving to have me, you know, go back and forth. So the balance, I'm definitely getting more of it now. I'm not getting to go to Bangkok or you know Vietnam on the weekend, but I'm getting to go to San Diego and see my parents, which is also just as cool. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dylan, for being on the podcast. It's so good to see your face, and it was really good to get you on record about uh, your work and life. You too. And one quick thing for those of you listening, if you're interested about Awakening, uh, go check out the WINS uh, YouTube page. We have some really cool behind-the-scenes videos about the creation and the choreography and the stage and all of that that you might find really interesting. Amazing. I think I'll go do that myself. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. (laughs) Thanks, Dylan. Theater at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. 
Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.